noches, muchachos. Uh, we are back. Myself and Paddy are on tonight. I heard Paddy giggling there. Um, to talk about the World Cup final. Messi finally won one. The World Cup itself. And we're going to talk about their team in the tournament. Uh, I have Brenton's too, but my phone's actually upstairs. So I'll just tweet it out later. But me and Paddy will do ours. Won't be too much of a long podcast. Well, that's the aim anyway, but you never know us, lads. But just to look back on the World Cup, as I said, and Messi and that final, the greatest final of all time in international football anyway. So, yeah, Paddy, um, we just mentioned before we come on, we'll start with the final and we'll start with Argentina winning it and Mbappe and Messi and, like, Christ the night. What a game. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. In fact, I loved at one stage, I think it was Guy Mowbray doing the commentary for BBC, when Mbappe scored the volley, he just went, en quiable. I was like, yes. that's class. Yes. Um, but yeah, fuck, what a game. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> really, like, we were chatting before we started recording just about, like, I was buzzing into today even, like, I've sent the, the Phil, like, I woke up at 3am Monday morning and just watched highlights again, and then watched them for an hour and went back to sleep. I was like, I still just, I don't know, football can just do this to you. It just brings out this this absolute boy in, in you, like, or girl or whatever. It's yeah. just class. And that's as but good like, a final in any international tournament. Well, I suppose I don't watch all Cup Americas or AFCONs, like, to the same detail as I watch Euros and World Cups. But, like, I've never seen a final like that. And it's hard to see when the next final like that will come because there's quite a lot of them have been quite turgid. Nil-nils, extra time, you know, one-nils, two-nils. Like, that was just different level. Do you think, uh, we're biased for Liverpool fans, like Istanbul, Barcelona, United fans, like, and there's now uh, Qatar and Lusal 2022. And maybe because it's a World Cup final, it probably takes over that because, it like, it's the biggest game in, in football. Oh, it's a hard one. I I agree. It's the best international final that I've ever seen. But I don't know if I can put it over Istanbul, which was so improbable. Yeah. I We're only biased, say that we are biased. But I suppose like the improbability of Istanbul was that SC Milan had like a generational team. Like every single player really was like world class like will go down in history whereas Liverpool were an absolute ragtag bunch like couldn't even finish in the top four in the league bar like maybe two genuinely world class players in, in Alonso and Gerrard we were a bit of a rabble like which made the comeback even more kind of amazing in that one so I'll keep Istanbul in my own mind as number one might never be beaten but geez that World Cup was fucking I keep cursing. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was yeah. unbelievable. It yeah. Was, like, and I, I missed the second half an extra time because we were at a Santa's Grotto for Finn and like, uh, I don't, I thought it was, it was amazing non-football, but it was amazing and Finn was obviously buzzing. Like, I haven't seen him excited in a while, which is class, like, especially the year he's had got him um, with his granda, but uh, <laughs> I, I like I, I, I was talking to Brenton after on Sunday. I was going to ring you and I rang Brenton first, and then I got sidetracked. I was talking about after, and I goes, "Fuck's sake, have I dismissed one of the greatest fans of all time?" And he just couldn't stop laughing down the phone at me, and I was like, "Oh my god, I have!" And and even though I got to listen to the uh, Stan Paris, I got to listen to the penalties, which like if I, when I watched the World Cup on BBC, I always stuck on Five Eyes commentary. If I get the chance to do that on BBC iPlayer, because 
and I, and I remember we were back to work with someone for a little bit, but Five Live just the the greatest. Like I think commentary ways and and broadcasting ways, it's just elite. And um, so I had John Murray doing the penalties, uh, in the car on the way home, uh, leaving Santa's Grotto in Coal Island there, and like the John I was telling Paddy, John Murray had this line, folks. Uh, I think I'd, I'll probably butcher this a little bit, but it was long lines of basically. <clears throat> Martin had won, he goes, <clears throat> Messi surrounded by his young muchachos that he's led to World Club glory. And I just thought, oh, like, especially with the muchacho song, which I haven't been able to stop trying to sing since the World Cup started, more or less. And especially the last couple of knockout rounds where they've just come into their own the Argentinian fans. But, um, like, that final, like, had everything. It just, barn obviously sending off some fights, but. Like Argentina raced into a lead. Um, De Maria. Like I saw someone tweet these. De Maria's arrived at the final with two dicks. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like De Maria appeared and was just like, do you know what, folks? I am actually unreal in finals for Argentina. I'm gonna take over this, and he did. He had Dembele and Kunde on toast for the first half. Anyway, like we're talking about the goals, Paddy, and we'll probably get them with a bit of detail tonight like the second Argentina goal is one of the best goals scored in the final it is ridiculous from start yeah. to finish like Incredible one player quality. takes two touches and it's arguably the greatest footballer of all two, all time and he's the one that takes two touches the rest all take one touch and it's bang it's a goal <laughs> I think it was my favourite I think it's my favourite goal of the, of the whole World Cup I think it was just unbelievable like the incision the perfection of every pass the speed, like the finish, it was just absolutely incredible. Every pass perfectly weighted. Um, I think it just elevated it above. I really loved the Dutch free kick um, in the quarters against Argentina. Like for a last kick of the game, 100th minute of regulation time to do that free kick was so unusual and unbelievable in his execution. But I think that Di Maria goal might just top it. Um Everything was perfect. Messi's be flicked around the corner. The weight of uh, I think Alvarez has passed to McAllister. McAllister's passed perfectly weighted. And then Di Maria, maybe a bit fortuitous, he kind of stabbed it into the ground. But like it was it was an unbelievable finish. And like as you touched on, Di Maria played so well. Surprised to see him start. Whenever I saw him in the starting lineup, I was like, Jesus, they, these boys could get kind of a bit outfought in midfield here because you know, De Maria is not really going to offer much defensively because they'd gone for Paredes the game before, but he was phenomenal. France didn't really know what to do with him. Um, and, you know, France couldn't couldn't even get the ball. Um, so Scaloni was definitely vindicated. Um, I think it was maybe just surprised to see Di Maria, I know he's 34, but come off after an hour because you could see Argentina struggled more when he left, left the pitch. I think, like, the Scaloni... Um, I think it was Diego Maradona had not he hadn't like he didn't abuse him or anything, but he said like what's he gonna do? He he couldn't was he he couldn't even organise a parking ticket or something stupid like that there, you know, when when he got the job because Scaloni came from he had managed the senior team, he was all youth teams or whatever and, and I think people were worried about how tactically he was gonna be astute and how he was gonna get on. Wins Cup America, which like is absolutely humongous in this story. That is a massive moment for Argentina, and I'm sure if there is like a Netflix or an Amazon or whatever done on this, I know there was one done in the Copa America, but, but if there's one done in this World Cup, that'll be such a fo- focal point 
because that gave them the belief and how they played throughout that tournament gave them the belief of we can go on and do this and like you touched on it there like our France in the first half had didn't know what to do and like Griezmann throughout the whole tournament was unbelievable in midfield I think you can agree he was absolutely ridiculous wasn't he in midfield like he was super like he um it was interesting to see him play that deeper, sort of deeper lying playmaker role. Um, yeah, he seems to, he's gone through a few transformations over his over his career, but he he was he had been phenomenal for France up to that point. But Argentina just managed to totally they, negate they, his presence, didn't they? Argentina, whatever they did in midfield, whatever way they when they set up with Enzo Fernandez and and um, Rodrigo de Paul and Alexi Alex McAllister, Alex McAllister. And obviously there was something wrong with Giroud. He just didn't look right. Instead of Griezmann, who, especially against Morocco, was everywhere, he was stuck in no man's land. He was stuck in like a Bermuda Triangle on the middle of the pitch. We just couldn't get out, couldn't get to anyone. And the, the game was bypassing him. Rabiot didn't have a great first half either. And Chiumeni was left to try and do everything. They were all over the place in that midfield. And this was an Argentinian midfield that sort of, like Enzo Fernandez, still young. He's at Benfica. Alexi McAllister, still young, is at Brighton. And then Rodrigo de Paul, who's had so much, so many critics this year. And even the first game, he was getting critics or critiqued because of the way he played against Saudi Arabia. He really kept career into the tournament. They just manhandled it. It's almost like they, when they came up against uh, Croatia, the talk was, well, if Croatia are going to win this game, they're going to win it from midfield because that midfield is the best in the tournament, right? Brozovic, Kovacic and Modric. And it was a game, and I think that Croatia game was their standout performance. I know they won the final and whatever, and different things, and that that game was where they were pinpoint. They were just perfect in every way. And again, it was the same in Fima, Castro Fernandez, Rijo de Paul, just bamboozled Croatia at times, just kept giving space for Messi and and uh, Alvarez and and kept outworking them and finding pockets and they were unreal as a unit and then again they just completely confused France France didn't know what they're doing that first half now obviously they changed it and didn't take it to the 70th minute before they get into it but like for being so young especially Enzo Fernandez like he just he won one player of the tournament young player of the tournament on, on the World Cup but like what a talent yeah he's you know like Alvarez, you know, he didn't start the tournament really and played his way in, and he was so effective. Um, some engine, unbelievable. Like, um, he just broke things up, play, can play simple passes, can play more elaborate passes, um, can carry the ball. He just he looks a really, a really, really good player. And you know, Benfica picked him up for less than seven million six months ago. Benfica and Porto seem really astute at this, picking up players from South America. Like, they're going to sell him for at least 10 times that, um, possibly even as early as this month, or next month, January, um, which, you know, shows shows how good a player he is. Um, so, no, he he was great. I think Rodrigo De Paul, anytime I've seen Rodrigo De Paul, I always think he's actually a bit shit, if I'm being honest. Like, he's not, like, a really easy player in the eye. He looks more like a rugby player. Um but I think he was. I do think he's, he, he he can be effective. You know, he he drew a lot of fouls. He carried the ball whenever Argentina needed it most. And I think he did. I do think he had quite a good game, even though he's not kind of one of my most favourite players to watch. Um, and then McAllister, like Jesus, he was class, so good. And um, he's still only twenty three as well, which is yeah. which is brilliant. Like he's going to get himself a a big move for sure. 
He just like I think he's surprised. Like we obviously Brighton have been unreal this year through both managers, Deserby and and Potter, and he's been at the focal point of a lot of that. And I think maybe people that maybe hadn't paid a lot of attention, say to Brighton or people from like maybe didn't watch an awful lot of the Premier League and didn't see it, were sort of like not expecting this and then throughout the whole tournament he just grew and grew and grew and grew into it and he became such a key key attacking opponent for uh, uh, Argentina from that midfield you could see even like in that goal that we talked about the second goal Messi gets uh, like sort of understandings with players and even though it wasn't Messi's ball that, that set um, McAllister through Messi could, if you watch it back, Messi can see he's making the run, and it's an unreal run. So he knows he flicks it out to Alvarez, and then all Alvarez has to do is put it down that channel first time, and McAllister's away. And then his ball was so perfect. The way it spins into Di Maria as well, just sets it up for him to finish it. So, yeah, that, that was an unreal start to Argentina go flying out the blocks. Looks like they're coasted. Um, to like a relatively straightforward um, crowning of world champions and Messi finally getting his hand that trophy and then Kylian Mbappe decides no nah, no nah, this isn't happening just yet well he gets a bit of a help he gets a bit of hand from some um, from Otamendi and from some Argentinian defence but for the penalty anyway but he just decides no nah, remember there's, there's two world class players here and his finish Paddy for, for his second goal like that is just insane. Oh, it's incredible! The ball just exploded off his foot. Um, <laughs> you know, just unbelievable. He just totally grabbed that game, you know, by the scruff of the neck, and you know, completely turned it on, turned it on its head. Like, fair enough, he stuck away a penalty. Takes bollocks. Um, especially against Martinez. Yep, yep, and he, he put it away great. But that second goal, like from from that angle outside, and I know. Martinez got a got a hand on it, but it hit so hard. Um, just the technique was incredible. He he was from about the seventy fifth minute. Mbappe was an absolute mutant. Like even an extra time, he was running at people. He was wriggling out of tackles. He was he was running in behind. He was jinking past players. Like he is just a phenomenal phenomenal player. And you know he can kind of strop and moan and you know kind of like. A bit like maybe Ronaldo can do at times, or has done at times. But geez, there's no denying how how much of a talent he is. And when he was surrounded, although he's performed really, really well with with Giroud and had some really good link up, as you touched on, Giroud didn't really look himself. Probably Argentina played very well as well, and you know the rumours of potentially some kind of um, illness in the French camp as well. But whenever, um, and I thought it was really gutsy when Deschamps, you know, changed things at the end of the first half. You know, um, after about forty minutes, and he brought on, and um, they bring on Turam and your guy Colo Moani at that stage. Yeah, he did. And they just that front three then of Mbappe, Moani, and Turam were so physical and fast. You know, and although it took them maybe another twenty thirty minutes to play in, after a while they looked so dangerous. Like, um, excellent, excellent um, players, and and give give the Argentines something different to think about, um. Because I think Giroud, as good as, as as he can be at times, I think he was very well marshaled by Romero, who actually thought it a brilliant tournament. Um, and Otamendi can be an absolute bombsker, and he had a few moments in this game, like especially whenever they changed the front three. But um, yeah, 
Oh, Mendy always gives you like a laugh. He's a bit like Dejan Lovren, you know. He's got an yeah. absolute clangor in him. You know he has. Um, I think Romero was the boy kind of holding it all together back there. And Enzo Fernandez obviously dropping in the cover as well. And big Enzo, yeah. It um, there's a moment too when it goes to all. I think it's in the ninety odd minute where Messi almost scores from about twenty five yards, mm. and I think if that had have happened, that was football over. I don't yeah. think we could have reached a higher peak. I think there would have been no point. He Do caught I mean? it. He caught it lovely as well. Like, um, but yeah, that would have been amazing. Like a last minute winner from from Messi in the World Cup final would have just been football's crowning achievement. I think. Oh, if he'd have stuck that in the top corner, that was it for me. That was right. Good luck. All all the best, everyone. Thanks for coming. We'll it might on. have been like a a global ejaculation moment. <laughs> Uh, actually, the roof might have blown off the earth. <laughs> Global nut busting moment is what <laughs> yeah. you're saying there, sir. Yeah. Christ the night. Uh, <laughs> it would have went off its axis. And we <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely would have seen it from space, like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then it gets off the extra time. Then there's the messy goal to go 3 2 up. Uh, Lautaro Martinez actually has a moment, a decent moment, because the rest of it were done for him. And then uh, another penalty, Montiel unfortunately handles the ball, but it's not to be his last moment, Montiel, thankfully for him. Again, Mbappe sticks it away, and at that point, you're thinking, oh no, is, is not the oh no, because France win, it would have been brilliant winners too, but I think a lot of us wanted Messi to finally get that over the line. And when it went to penalties, then you remembered, oh, hang on, Emi Martinez is the world's biggest shit house. This is going to be all right. And he laps his moment up, sir. Yeah, it was it was interesting to watch. Like, um, I think, move, like, it was very dramatic, you know, him picking the ball up, throwing it away and stuff. I think moving forward, I don't think... I don't think that should be able to happen. I think there should be a way that keepers can, or that referees can control the ball. Because um, I thought, you know, the referee had been very, very strong the whole game. But I thought maybe that was a moment that he, he maybe should have been more aware of, of what Martinez could do with the ball just sitting on the spot like that. Um, yeah. It, it was hilarious, like, you know, and it was funny, and it definitely would have got into Manny's head as, as, you know, good a professional and the high level he's played at for Real Madrid and the stuff he's already won, but your legs must be like jelly already. You go to pick up the ball and the keeper just sort of throws it 15 yards away. Like, it's um, at the I Argentina th- end as well. Like, I, it's, Yeah. I was thinking about this uh, before we came home. I was coming home from mum's the other night. What, like, what, what, what should you do in that moment? And this is very easy to say, and people will hear this saying, "Listen to your man here, as if he's ever kicked the ball in anger, in, in any high stakes game." But see if that was to happen. I would love a player to go. You know, you're the player going to take a penalty. Emmy Martinez throws it away. I would love a player to stand in the penalty spot and go, "No, I'm not. You go and get that ball." Yeah. And refuse to go get it. And then yeah. he said, "No, no, no. He goes and gets it." Try and take the moment back. Yeah, like a standoff. Yeah, standoff type thing. Now, then you have to have the balls to stick the penalty home because you look like Chuba, you miss it. But it would be, I would love to see it. Now, this isn't anything on Aaron Martinez, but I'd love to see someone do that and then Panenka him. Oh, geez, that would be some drama. And then just that would be some swingers. You know, like last year, because I saw this today, and remember last year in the Carabao Cup final when Kepa told Van Dyke (laughs) where to stick it, so he did. 
Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's glorious. Like you know, along those lines, like just he, you know, you go get it. Keeper has to go get it. Gives it to you, and then you chip him. And you're like, mm. ah, that would. I think imagine doing that. That would just have been good luck. Aww. But you could you could sense. It was about even watching it back. Obviously, I could tell on the radio like they were talking about too many and what was happening. They were describing what was going on, and and I was saying to Sarah, I was like, "This is one of the France's younger players. He's one of the ones you don't really want to miss because he's such a young player." Then I remember he turned out Liverpool and thought, oh, "Actually, fuck him." Um, <laughs> but like, he... Speaking of that shootout, uh, the Liverpool one that Van Dijk, Liverpool have done something interesting at shootouts where they nearly protect the ball. So, like, um, say say Van Dijk hits a penalty, um. And uh, then next up, the Chelsea player takes the penalty, and now it's another Liverpool penalty. The Liverpool keeper, I think Allison, took the ball then, so nothing could happen to it. Kel- Kelleher did. Or Kelleher, sorry. And then Allison yeah. maybe did it in the FA Cup final. Or did, did Kelleher both finals? Can't even remember. No, Allison was in the Cup final as well. Allison. He was in the so FA Cup final. They were told to do that to protect the ball, and even before penalties and stuff, you see players now like. I think um, Allison did it against Croatia too. <laughs> Yeah, I think he did it against Croatia. I think he did do it. I'm near sure he did go and grab the ball. Um, and and obviously Allison, there's not a nasty, there's not a, like as nasty, not that Martinez is nasty, but there's not a streak in him. He just gave you the ball to the opponent. Like it's not like Allison's not in it for main games that that way anyway. Um, whereas obviously Martinez is like yeah, he's took it to a new level. I wouldn't be surprised if fucking Simeone signs him. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it was a very kind of peak Atletico Dark Lord kind of shithouse remote. Uh, um, I mean, if he does that in Boxing Day against us, I'm going to volley the TV in half. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's like, so they win it. There's a release. Um, I'm going to ask you, oh, me and Brent did a thing where we picked our top five or top three players of all time, right? And it's it's everyone's doing it now. I know that, and I think you've already said this, Messi was already your number one. He was already mine. I don't think there's an argument for him now against it, really. Um, people will argue some others. My top five, me and Brenton picked it. And it's just, I haven't asked you this beforehand, Paddy, so it's obviously it's on a whim here. But mine is Messi, Maradona, Pele, uh, Ronaldo, Nazario, and uh, Zindine Zidane. So it doesn't have to be from our lifetime. This can be just five best players. Uh, yeah, I think if if you yeah, not our lifetime. We can do our lifetime one another time when all the lads are on. But I'm just thinking, you know, because it's, it's so prominent now, and Pelé obviously's had his health issues too. So there's a lot of speak about him. It's it's a World Cup. He won three. Mbappe looks like he's gonna end up with three when he finishes and beat all Pelé's records by the looks of it. He's not a two or three World Cups in him at least. But yeah, I just want to know what yours was. My number one, and as you said just before that, like even if Messi, if Argentina had been knocked out in the group stages and he'd scored 51 goals, like I, I still think he's the best player that's ever, ever touched a football. Like I think he's unbelievable. Um, I don't think there's anyone even close to him. Um, now I haven't, obviously, seen, um, other than short videos of Pele and Maradona and Best and Cruyff and all these kind of people, but, um, nothing I have seen on any evidence. And any evidence that I've seen um, suggests anything to the contrary that Messi is the best. Um, I think he's unbelievable. So he would be far and away my number one. Um, in no particular order, Zidane I would also have in the top five because yeah. he was my favourite player growing up. Loved watching him. Very unique kind of player. Like there haven't really been players like him. Um, that kind of laxy daisy kind of big ball player. Like 
touch, possibly the best touch in football ever. Um, you know, so Zidane, have Zidane in there. I'd have Ronaldo, Brazilian in there. Um, I'm putting George Best in there just because I was brought up and watching videos of him. Obviously, he had a career cut very short due to his um, demons, but you know, for that for a period, he was you know, well, he was European Footballer of the Year, won a European Cup, and you know, was banging in goals left, right, and centre. So, um, and he had a certain swagger about him too. So, I'll put I'll put Best in, and yeah. and I'll put uh, I'll put Maradona in. I haven't put Pele in there, but sure. I think He's for period enough. two, George Best is possibly the best player in the, on the planet. No, man, Pe- just... Pe- Pele famously said he was the best player in the world. Yeah. Um, um, which is like, a boy from Belfast is still like, mind-blowing. Um, but yeah, like, Best, like, if you're doing a top ten, Best is in that, for me anyway, but, um, and a few others. But, I, yeah, I think... I know we're biased because he's from our... This is our era. And that's another thing too. Like, our dads saw obviously the Maradona era, Pele. We've seen Messi, but we hadn't seen him win a World Cup. And it was, and it was always like, for God's sake, like, is he going to finish here with a World Cup? Because that would have felt like a travesty. Really would have, like, because it's, it's Messi now. We've seen him do it. So, um, and obviously that's him finished World Cup-wise. I think he might have one more Cup American in him with Argentina. But World Cup-wise, yeah, I think that is him done. But... Oh, just unreal. And as on the tournament as a whole, Paddy, um, just the football end, uh, because we were obviously watching it from home. We've had a lot of journalists have been out there. They've wrote about their experiences out there and what's been going on. And there's been unreal coverage about all the, the wrongs that have happened and, and the issues that have gone on around this World Cup and issues that are continuing on going. And I hope like the media does continue to keep pushing those and talking about them and writing about them. I hope it doesn't just die off. Um, But solely on the football that was an unbelievable world cup sensational it was wild phenomenal it was absolutely wild you had you had all the shocks you know um in the tournament you know which which adds to it because you know i think statistically it was the tournament that has had the most shocks of of underdogs beating the the favorites and stuff Um, and yep so you know even that is always fun to watch um you, know, you had your first African semi-finalist, and Morocco were fantastic throughout the tournament. Like really, really, um, really brilliant, really skillful, silky, just lovely. Some really lovely players, and then some absolute steel as well in there with like Amrabat and Sais and players like that. But no, it was it was a phenomenal World Cup. Um, like some of those games will go down in the sort of annals of World Cup history, particularly that Holland-Argentina quarterfinal was spicy. Like, you know, I think it was 14 yellows or something. Or it was ridiculous. It was very spicy. The comeback was ridiculous. Touched on the, the Veghorst free kick already. Like, that's an iconic World Cup moment for sure. Um, the, the absolute, you know, audacity <laughs> to take that free kick there is ridiculous. Um, unbelievable. I squealed like a girl when that went in because... It's rare that football can completely shock you and you, you'd see something you've never seen before. But, like, that was so unique, that free kick. It was unbelievable. Like, me and me and Brenton would were taxing during that game and, and I wasn't feeling well. That was supposed to be my work night out and I, like, got hit with, like, you know that two-day bug that's going around? Mm-hmm. I got hit with it and it fucking chinned me. But I was like, I'm watching this match. So I sat up with, like, two blankets around me 
peppermint tea on on the go constantly sir looking after me as usual and i must have text brenton the word sir in capital about 50 times <laughs> game and i and like sir didn't have no one the only one she cared about was croatia winning the world cup because we were there on holidays and she loves the place she wants to go back she had no notion of watching any of it and she watched that and she's like what's going why are they fighting that's <laughs> like because because fucking argentina keep booting the ball into the dugout um and it was just like i was like this is going to end up in a mask brawl here like in its class um but yeah i, I couldn't that game it, like i know people say oh um a game like that is remembered for all the, the fights it was it ended up in penalties and it was two all yeah like you know what i mean like holland were out of it and big wag horse came on and like it was almost like louis van hal just turned to the bench and went bring me the giant unleash the kraken you know yeah. what I mean? And out, and out, and out came Weghorst, woken from his slumber. Um, and out he came, like, creaked onto the pitch like a big fucking tree from Lord of the Rings and just caused <laughs> utter chaos. Like, you know what I mean? And, like, and Paredes booting the ball into um, the the Argentina or the Holland dugout. I mean, I've been I've been reported as before saying if I ever played in Old Trafford, I'd boot it into the stands. <laughs> So I can't really, you know, <laughs> say anything against that. But then Big Virgil came over and oh. just chested him to the ground. I was like, yes, Virgil. Absolutely emptied him like it's hilarious. <laughs> and Brady did not want any... You'll notice if you watch that back, the Argentinian players did not want any of Van Dijk. They didn't want any of it. <laughs> not even little Lissandro um, Martinez, who... I must say, sort of has a bit of me in him where we just have wee man syndrome and want to fight everyone. He was like, no, nah. <laughs> no, nah, this one's not for me. Um, that was class. Like, the way it ended, the fact, like, Di Maria beforehand, like, criticised Van Hal. There was so much spice that game. Like, I, I think we should have it where we rig it and Holland and Argentina play each other every World Cup. Um, and then, then you, obviously, you Japan, you had Morocco, Morocco's fans. Like, What? Um, give Morocco a World Cup, please. FIFA, do something. Um, you had Ronaldo getting dropped, which is obviously a massive story after he'd done his fucking Pierce Morgan interview. Um, then he, he gets dropped later on in the tournament. Gonzalo Ramos announces himself. Portugal thump. Switzerland 6-1. And I remember I'm probably talking to you saying, Portugal could win this. Like, that was ridiculous. Bruno Fernandes was playing out of his skin at times, Portugal. Morocco turn up after boofing uh, Spain out and just decide to take over Iberia. They're like, you know what, lads? You're fucking going home too. And send them home. Not a bother to them. Don't even look flinched. <laughs> like, Belgium turning up. Kevin De Bruyne saying we're too old. That was like such a heartbreaking moment. It's almost like he realised his age and Belgium's age. It was just like, it had everything. It was like, Saudi Arabia beating Argentina started off with as well. It was wild. Um, Japan's has said, putting... That, that... That week, where all the groups were ending, was on drugs. Yeah, it was like, insane. That, that week was one of the best weeks of football. Like you know, like I, I, I'm actually just getting goosebumps thinking about that week because I was talking about this in work uh, on Monday. I think it was we're reminiscing about the World Cup. Like you didn't know what was going on. Every group there was like obviously there was one or two teams. I think there was only three teams that already qualified, maybe. Um, but there was something up in every group. There was two or three teams could go through in every group or whatever, or go home. And um, it just seemed to kick off. And that night, the Spain, Germany, Costa Rica, Japan group, those 20 minutes where it looked like Costa Rica and Japan were going through was just absolutely sublime. It was like um, 
Do you remember when? Do you know when Wijnaldum scores the third, right against Barcelona? Yeah. Right. Tell me what happened up until Origi's goal. Nobody remembers. Yeah, not a clue. And Wijnaldum scores that. He scores that like he doesn't score it like on the eightieth eightieth minute, and Origi scores two minutes later. He scores that early enough. Nobody knows what happens because you go you fall into this twilight zone. And I don't. This maybe happens in other sports. It probably happens in red zone if you're fully invested in NFL, but definitely happens in football a lot. And we we all just fell into this twilight zone. We're like, we don't know what's going on. And it was like everyone was floating. <laughs> it's like, what's going to happen next? And then bang, it snaps back out of it. I think Germany score and and different things happen, and it starts to go to and fro and to and fro. But when Costa Rica had taken the lead or whatever it was, they'd gone ahead in the group, and Japan had gone ahead in the group. Like, everyone was just like, what is going on here? And it was such an amazing moment. And I was willing Costa Rica and Japan to go through because no harm to Spain journey. But we've seen them do it before. And it's always nice, I think, when a bigger team gets chinned, unless it's your own, obviously. But um, such a surreal moment. That was one of my highlights. That whole week, actually, just where every group stage, every group had something to play for. And it actually was pivotal in the next World Cup because FIFA looked at that and we're all like, hang on, we're going to be losing this. Um, if we go to th- groups of three, we're going to lose this. So we want to keep this because there are no dozers, FIFA. They know how to manipulate and maximise certain things and they know keep it the same. But, oh, Paddy, like you are, like you and your brothers are the reason why I even want get to go in international football because I get to go to Northern Ireland games with you. And I know I always joke and whatever about international football and gave off about it, but this World Cup has made me have a newfound sort of love for it because you can't buy players. It's You play with who you've got. Now, sometimes you're lucky. Argentina have had Messi and Maradona. <laughs> Fuck's sake. You know what I mean? Um, Aberdeen just scored a screamer, by the way, to go one all against Rangers. Um, so they're lucky. We're Not that we're not lucky in this island. We had George Bess. We didn't see him. Um, but and like they're probably around with Roy Keane, Paul McGrath, unbelievable superstars too but like for you what would it mean we have never seen Northern Ireland at a World Cup so what would that mean to you because both our dads saw two World Cups Um, I don't think my dad was uh, We I think he was alive was he alive for 58 or was it my 58 dad been, my dad would have been 5 for 58 yeah they're the same age so he was 5 then yeah, they're probably, both, Probably too young to remember it, too. Ah, they're probably fucking just eating biscuits and being two dough bags, like, but... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, so what would it mean for you to see Northern Ireland at a World Cup? Oh, I'd absolutely love to see it. Like, the, the two weeks at the Euros were, like, the favorite two, my favourite two weeks of my life. Like, being there with my all my mates and my family, too. Like, it was just absolutely unbelievable. Like, um, and, you know, I've been going to Northern Ireland games since 1996 I've seen them be awful um, seen them go a couple of years without scoring goals seen them routinely get hammered so to like to see something happen to see qualification for a major tournament was, was amazing and you know Euros is special but a World Cup is just a cut above and you know even to think of if there's some kind of chance that they could qualify for this next one in North America like the crack would just be unbelievable. Um, you know, I'd love to see some of those stadiums over there and and see Northern Ireland, you know, mix it with, you know, 
the likes of Argentina or or France or whoever get absolutely they'll get absolutely drilled like but it would be good to see <laughs> um, so yeah i'd love i'd love to see it at some stage especially with the expansion in the numbers you know chances should increase um with michael o'neill back you know having a kind of uh hopefully wise sort of manager there there's maybe a chance um, and i'm sure for the republic of ireland um they have some exciting young players coming through you know um uh, you know possibly both could make a world cup in the next you know two sort of um cycles in the next couple yeah so that would be exciting i think as well like you look at croatia with four million people and you're you sort of look a wee bit on envious because like they have been well certainly for us like 94 uh with 98 sorry was their first they got the semi-final they did the euros 96 as well they did quite well um, the Russia, they had other Euros was done really well, and they've always been really prominent. And then, obviously, this year got the semi final, uh, finished third again. Like I think they've finished since ninety eight. They've been like they've finished in the top four and forty percent or something. Or some days, some daft forty percent of World Cup since they were formed. Um, they've finished in the top four, which is insane. Yeah, um, it is unbelievable. You look at it, but I would always, people say like, "Well, why can't the likes of I'd say the probably running because there's more population to do that?" But you have to remember that my argument would be that their league has teams like Dynamo Zagreb and Hajduk Split, Northern Ireland and the, and the League of Ireland aren't at those levels yet. But we're seeing teams now. I know Linfield got very close this year. We're seeing teams now qualify for Europe, especially from the League of Ireland. We're going to see teams from the Irish League qualify for Europe soon. So in our lifetime, I think we'll see either or both nations do relatively well at a World Cup. I know they've done well before when the World Cup wasn't as many teams. Um, And I'm not saying it was easier, but there wasn't as many teams at the actual World Cup stage. But I think you'll see it where you'll see like one of them do maybe not a semi-final but quarter-final stage again I know they've probably have done it before we see Northern Ireland get to those stages again in a bigger World Cup because in 20-30 years time we'll hopefully be both retired and having the crack um, they'll be at a stage where all the football in this island will be at a much better place professionally as leagues and you'll start to see it all coming through that'll be my hope too because I think like that's what's missing for me because one of my favourite moments Football moments was um, Gareth McCauley's goal against Ukraine, and that's not like I'm not a diehard international football fan. My dad weeped like a like a child. Like I had no clue what was. I didn't. I didn't realize. I was jumping around the living room going mad. I know you were at it. I think, but my dad weeped like a small, like a small, a Paul boy, as Finn would call it, a small boy, because of the goal. Because and, like I hadn't seen that because he he wouldn't have shown that he was as mad in the Northern Ireland. Um, during qualifiers running, either watch games, not watch games, different things, and then I was like, "Flip, this obviously means massive to him." So do you know what I mean? So I want obviously to see more of that, you know, tournaments wise, and that's the thing that maybe for me there wasn't. I can't like a Northern Ireland there, or I would follow Republic Two to, to a point where you can latch on to the back of and be like, "Oh, I can follow these." Do you know what I mean by that? Like, if if, if Northern Ireland had been at this tournament, like there'd have been such a buzz. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Like, even saw the, the buzz that the, the Welsh fans and stuff created. Um, yeah, I was envious. You know, they were class, you know, um, sort of goosebumps stuff when they were singing their anthem and add a lot of colour to the occasion too. So, yeah, I think I think you touched on a really good point there about like the quality of the likes of Dinamo Zagreb who would like routinely qualify for the group stages of the Champions League and are a real feeder club, you know, the likes of Modric, Lovren, you know, other players, I don't know, maybe Brozovic came through there too, but like... If you even look at their team, you know, the best players don't play in Croatia. They, they use kind of Zagreb or Split or whoever as a platform and, and you know, play at really high levels. So, and they're probably, even though it's a country of 4 million, they probably don't have the competing interest in terms of sports. You know, there's no, there's no Gaelic games. There's no rugby, you know. Um, I think handball's big there, maybe a bit of basketball, mm-hmm. but like, um, maybe I think water polo's big there too, but you know, it wouldn't be there wouldn't be other kind of massive professional or huge amateur organizations like the GAA kind of hoovering up other potential footballers. So um for such a small country it's still massively impressive, but it'll be a it'll be a massive achievement if if either Northern Ireland or the Republic can get even anywhere near that. Um and I think you're right, I think it's gonna take like, you know, potentially decades of, of work and infrastructure and trying to improve the pathways for for players from here, especially sort of post post Brexit, it makes it really difficult um, for players from here. I think to to really kind of, and by here I mean the whole island, because people from down south now, it's going to be harder for them to make it in England. And people from Northern Ireland are also done by the fact that you need to be within ninety minutes of your club, which is a drive. So like, mm-hmm. if you want to make it here, like you're really going to have to move your whole family over to like, you know, Birmingham, Liverpool, London when you're you know, an adolescent, like it, I think it's just, it is hard to make it here. And, um, yeah, I'd love to see it, but I think it's going to be very difficult. I do too, but can you imagine the feeling it'll be though? Like if, like you look at those Morocco fans, I know they're obviously a ma- population wise, but you look at those Morocco fans, like the, we got an African, we needed an African nation to get the semi-final. We needed that barrier broken and they kicked it through. Uh, and and the relief and the joy, Can you imagine what that'll feel like, especially for yourself, because obviously you're humongous. And I find like if that was Northern Ireland a quarter final World Cup, I don't think you'd be able to. And you're usually quite chill. I think you'd pass out. I probably would, yeah. I think Andrew, your brother, and anyone doesn't know him, would have the world's biggest stroke. You'd hear it. Yeah. He, he he doesn't cope well with um, football-related <laughs> stress whatsoever. No, he does not. Like, he does no, not. Like, better, he'd be um, better to avoid football, to be honest, that fella. <laughs> when you watch a Liverpool yeah. game with him, Jesus Christ, it's an experience. Yeah, it's a life experience, you should tell it. Um, but yeah, no, I, like, yeah, that, that's that's the one thing. It was like, I, me, me, myself and Brenton, like I was talking to him, we're, I want to go, I was telling this story, actually, I want to go and start seeing, I haven't seen enough of world stars Right, I haven't seen enough. Um, I've seen obviously players like Gerard and and, and uh, uh played that night, I think, against Liverpool at and Casillas at, at um Anfield. But I mean, like the likes of never saw Messi, didn't see Ronaldo, want to see Mbappe. Obviously, I've saw Joe Gormley, but you know, I want to see like world stars, like I want to see Mbappe. So he's coming to uh Dublin to play at Polygram. I think me and Brenton are going to be. <laughs> Going down there, possibly be 
the only two Irish men cheering on France. But uh, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we're going to try it in the French end and be like, oui, oui, je m'appelle. And uh, maybe with this tash, I'll get away with it. But I want to go and see Mbappe. I really must see him because I didn't get to see Messi. Won't get to see Messi now. Can't imagine. Uh, unless Liverpool get PSG this year in Champions League and I somehow managed to somehow get a ticket. Uh, I won't. Like, Dad was at the at Anfield that night and even though Liverpool won, one of his main things was the fact he got to see Messi live. He was you know, at the 4-0? Just, yeah, 4-0. I he was in the cop. He was in the cop. Um, yes, I know. Uh, didn't get me a ticket, but, you know, whatever. Um, and he got to see Messi live and he came home and, like, he was obviously on a high because we'd won 4-0, but he kept talking about how he got to see Messi. You know, and he saw George Best at Windsor Park a lot of times. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, ah, I haven't. I haven't seen an, a proper one of the greats. I think Mbappe is the next one in line. Yeah, he is definitely the heir apparent. Um, I've got to see a few ones at Windsor. Like I've seen Ronaldo. Um, yes. You know, seeing all Shakiri. that sort of England team back in the day. You know, Gerard Rooney, Beckham. Um seeing yeah thomas muller matt tummels like yeah you do oh, even just those, yeah. ra- regularly going to international football because there'll always be a top seed in your group who's going to have like a team full of ballers like um so you do get to see a few i would i would love to see messi um i always wanted to see him at the new camp um but now you know i, I think he probably will end up back at the new camp i would imagine at some stage um whether he sees out his contract at psg and if Barcelona can sell another part of another fragment of their soul or whatever to try and fund that, um, I would love to see him in his kind of spiritual home in Barcelona rather than going to Paris to see him. But I definitely would like to see him before he hangs up his boots for sure. I'd, I'd like him to go to Rosario and play for Newell's, but I think that's maybe too romantic for me. Um... Yeah, that would that would be really cool. Um you know, and maybe maybe he might do it for, you know, half a season or something when he's, yeah. you know, right at the very end, who knows, but... I saw Luis uh, Suarez, um, and again, he'll go down as one of the greats, like, for what he did, but he'll not be in that, I would talk about that upper echelon, you know, like that Ballon d'Or winner, uh, you've always saw Ronaldo, um, but I'd like to see Mbappe, so we're trying to get tickets for the Dublin game, uh, they go down. I've never been to an Ar- probably Ireland game either, but to go down, because I want to see, obviously, the game but I, I just want to be there to witness i want to i want to do that now i want to make that a thing now where i go and see these players and um, hopefully they all sign for liverpool will be handy but um yeah that's what i want to do so your team in the tournament patty um do want to give you mine first will we say keeper then keeper then yeah, right back then right fine. back go that way um i'm gonna go um, martinez i agree i think liver Leverchenko, I can't pronounce his second name. The Croatian goalkeeper oh, who Lip, was at London. Yeah, Lipkovic? Levakovic? Something like that. I'm um, going to get it here because that was annoying me. Um, I think he was outstanding. Levakovic, he was absolutely outstanding. And he's going to get a move because <laughs> uh, he looks quite the keeper. Um, Bonu as well from Morocco, notable. Um, but I think. Just the fact that Martin, it's not even just the, we didn't even mention this in the earlier in the pod, it's not even the penalties, it's the save in 3 minutes 13 seconds after extra time 
Unbelievable. One of, one of the best saves ever. It is that the greatest save of all time because of the moment? I I would say probably yes. Like it's a certain goal, like, and that's the task. Basically, I know they have time for Martinez to go up the other end, but if that had gone in, that setting was probably the last kick of the game and the World Cup's done. So in terms of importance, and also even, like, technically, it was a fucking brilliant save. Like, his boy smashed it, and Martinez makes himself massive. So, yeah, definitely a good call. Could be the most important save of all time. Up there with Dudex (laughs) in Istanbul, like. (laughs) Um, Right back, Hakimi. Um, I also have Hakimi. Good. What a tournament. What a player. Um, Centre half, I've gone Gavridal. Yes, I also have him. He looks like he's going to be one of the sort of preeminent European centre halves in the next he 10 years. He looks like probably. he's the, him and Konate. I know we're biased. Him and Konate. And look, at the minute to me, like the two best young centre halves coming through. Um, obviously, Saliba's having a really good season in Arsenal too, but he didn't get much game time at this World Cup. But uh, now, I don't know if we're going to agree here, but I've went size. I have gone with Christian Romero. Fair. What um, you mean? So I, have, I, I kind of touched him early, on him earlier on. I think he's been superb since he came to Spurs. Um, yep. And he's he's a classy player. Like I think he had a brilliant World Cup. I don't think I think Ottomani needs a minder, like because he's absolute shite. So for Romero to basically probably do he got some two jobs, like for better. Yeah, I think going forward, I think Lisandro Martinez will uh, probably take over from Otamendi. Yeah, I'd say you'd um, be right. I'd say you can imagine someone like Otamendi, 34, that was his 100th cap. Can he do any more? Like, probably not. Yeah. He, might, he might decide now's the time. Um, I just, and for size, like, what a tournament. What a, like, and we were, Liverpool were linked with him last year uh, when the no, or the, this, the window that no centre halves. Um, their link was getting them in, and obviously people turned their nose up on it. I was keen on it, but I know we played a lot in three-man defence, but let me what you had an unreal World Cup when he was carrying an injury. Just maybe one game too far, but um, yeah, we'll always be hoping he stays fit for the remainder of the season. Uh, left back, I went Teo Hernandez. Same. Um uh-huh. Like for him to come in for his for his bro like and and deputise so well, thought he was great going forward. Loved his goal He's in the, player in going the forward, like. semi against Morocco too, like technique wise. Yeah, and then midfield. So I've gone with um, Enzo Fernandez. Yep, I also have him. Sofian Amrabat. Also have him. And Antoine Griezmann. I thought you'd go Griezmann. You love Griezmann. I actually went with I went with Luka Modric there. I thought Modric was Fair. brilliant um, throughout the tournament. Just his class, so so good. But I definitely... another one we're not going to see now at a World Cup, which is sad because like um, and I was I was one of the worst for it. I was writing Croatia off, and then I forgot Luka Modric played for them. Yeah, it was He's... the Brazil game where he just clicked. I was like, oh god. Like, Liverpool have played Real Madrid 2018 Champions League final, 2022 Champions League final. I remember before both saying, oh, that 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 um, midfield of Real's is old. They're, they're crap. Like, will he be able to get at them? They won't be able to deal with us. Yes, I remember you saying it as well. Again, forgot both times about the Modric plays. And he is just phenomenal. He is a phenomenal player. Can I pitch something to you? Uh, 
is he in our lifetime the 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 greatest midfielder? Oof, I don't. Oh, I don't know. I I don't know if we'd give it to him for like the greatest midfielder of our lifetime. Um, he's quite a he's quite a unique player. You know, I even think of players like I know hasn't won half the amount, and this is my complete bias coming out. But you know, Ger- Gerard was a very different kind of central midfield player who was also phenomenal. Um. You know, Modric maybe fits into that kind of more ball-playing Xavi Iniesta type of player. I actually think he's better than Xavi Iniesta. That's maybe controversial. But no, I would agree. I um, I don't know if I'm going to give him the best midfielder. Like, you could even have Zidane in there, Gerrard, Lampard. Uh, maybe not Lampard. I think it's. I think you could ha- have an argument between Zidane, Modric, and Iniesta, and obviously. People chuck Chavi in, and don't get me wrong, but I, in my opinion, I, like it's Modric and Zidane, what they did. Uh, I know Iniesta won the World Cup too, but um, just like it, it, it is so he he deceives. Like we play them in the Champions League, we play them in the Champions League, and he just deceives every time. Like and even during the game, he deceives people. Like the people thinking, ah, oh, he he looks goose too. And the next thing he'll flick the ball past someone and spring into attack and then you're like, oh bollocks, he's gonna do something here and like he he frightens he frightens me still. Like that's we were playing the Liverpool playing Real Madrid in the Champions League and obviously Benzema's back and don't get me wrong, he can be dangerous, but it's Modric. Yeah. Modric is and like he's sixty five years old, but <laughs> Modric is like the one you have to Liverpool, and we'll talk about that during the time. We'll do, but Liverpool will have to like put him into the stands. Unfortunately, like you know what I mean. Somebody's gonna have to manhandle him because uh, he's just a genius, an actual. I remember, I remember your brother. He's got a couple of mentions this night. I'm enjoying this talk. He went. To, didn't he go to a Croatia game at the Euros? I was about to mention this actually. Yeah, we went to Croatia against Czech Republic in the Euros yeah. in Sanadian, and like every time Modric like did something, Andrew would just squeeze my leg and go. Woo! Out there, yeah. He, he, <laughs> I remember him ringing me like, and he couldn't stop talking about him. Yeah, he's he was amazing. Like, um, no, he gets very excited about Modric. I actually maybe it was a bit too harsh on NES there. NES is also f- absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it maybe yeah. is hard to separate those two. Actually, I think I think Modric and NES are better than Jabby. Um, oh, that's, that's a close one. I need to think about that more. It is, it is yeah. close. I would, ha- I would prefer Modric, but I just wish he didn't play for Real Madrid. Um, so your midfield is Amrabat, Enzo Fernandez, and Modric. Mine is, um, Enzo Fernandez, Amrabat, and Griezmann. Obviously, I'm a crazy best. Um, I think, I think we might front... have gone for the same front three. Yeah, front three is the same. I'll go, I'll say mine, and then you say yours. So it's uh, Messi, Alvarez, and Mbappe. Exact same. Yeah. I think it's unfair that Man City have Alvarez and Haaland. Man City are absolute sure. Like Alvarez, <laughs> sure, is, sure. Alvarez is so good. Like he's he a world mark too. He really is. He actually reminds me a wee bit of Suarez too because he's so direct. Suarez used to just run at players. Like he yeah. would just and even the one of the goals that he scored in the semi final against Croatia, he just kept running a straight line. Like and he got a couple of lucky breaks, but. You know, he's just so direct, so energetic. Like, 
unbelievable amount of sprints, ground covered, you know, ball pressures. He is class and he actually seems like like he has a good attitude and team player and yeah, unbelievable. Like Messi and Mbappe, like we probably don't even have to talk about how good they are because everyone knows how good they are, but as that third player in our team in the tournament, I just our third forward. I think Alvarez, like I don't know what you what you want to add there about about Julian Alvarez. Well, I was I really did not like the fact that Man City signed him because I didn't I just I remember saying it like they've just signed Aguero more too. Like can we not have one year where they don't have Aguero? And you know what I mean? Like they just signed the mutant from Norway and then they added in his wee mate. Um to play alongside him and and like it's he's he's unfortunately he's really really likable like yep. Aguero was too you know where he like he, like David Silva was well, they're playing for Man City you don't want him to win but you're like you you want to watch them because you want to enjoy watching them and he ha- you're right he has that trait in him too where he's a bit like like obviously Suarez director Suarez was the fact he was so young um but he it didn't phase him. Like this, that's another thing. Alexi McAllister was a notable mention too. Definitely being a squad of the World Cup. Yeah. But agree. McAllister, Fernandez and Alvarez had no fear. Like the pressure on this Argentina team is not like we haven't seen pressure like that on a team in a World Cup. people talk about people expecting Spain to win it, but you, you didn't feel the same pressure because they didn't have they didn't have a Messi. They didn't have a Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo, Ronaldo Rosario. They didn't have Maradona or Pele. Do you know what I mean? And and the pressure isn't as big on Ronaldo in Portugal and Cristiano because like the, he's a god anyway, and they'd won the Euros. Whereas this Argentina team, them the the pressure on them, and then they get beaten the first game by Saudi Arabia to go and win this World Cup, and they did not flinch. The young players is like it's worrying if you're hoping of winning a World Cup soon because yes they're losing Messi and they're going to use lose that but what they've got coming through they're going to be a force but it was unreal I it was it was superb it's not really that much mentioned McAllister didn't flinch Enzo Fernandez said Alvarez didn't flinch the fullbacks all came on didn't bother them uh yeah. It's I, I think the the front three especially though that we mentioned like that I don't think there's you could Chuck and Giroud had a great tournament don't get me wrong and whenever I know Brenton Pitsiach because he was outstanding for Morocco too not notable mention um but like and it was you get sometimes you get you get a game where two superstars are playing and it's like you tearing them off we thought we we're going to get a Messi Ronaldo final someday and what was going to happen but instead we got the New Year. Messi and Mbappe, and both of them, when you see two of the best athletes in a sport go at it, there's nothing really like it. Do you know what I mean? The the players on, on the other players on the team are all brilliant in their own rights, don't get me wrong, and all had their moments. But when those two decided on Sunday, one of us is winning this, it it was amazing. And and like we were very, very lucky. Because we, we never saw Maradona and obviously Pele go out in the World Cup final, and we obviously didn't we didn't get we have haven't got to see Argentina and Portugal in, in anger with Messi and Ronaldo, but we saw Mbappe, and he's ready. Kylian Mbappe is ready to take over that mantle and win Ballon d'Ors and be the man. And I know you would always have Haaland, but has that changed a little bit now? Is Mbappe where do you sit on there? Because it's going to be those two. I don't think Norway, unfortunately, going to have enough to 
trouble France in competitions as in like winning them, but on the world stage, where do you see it now with Mbappe and Haaland? I think I think sort of most people would say Mbappe is probably the best in the world right now. Um, you know, maybe maybe if you're taking aside Messi. But I just really like Haaland. Like I yep. I just think he's such a he's such a handful. And as like Mbappe is unbelievable, like really, really freakish. Um but I still think if you said, right, you can have one on for Liverpool, I think I'd still take Haaland. Maybe I'm mental. But um No, I think like you're taking Ireland Haaland, like it's not as if you're taking like um Connor Salmon. Yeah, you know, you know, do you know what I mean? Um can I ask you another Liverpool question? And I know people are gonna be annoyed with this, because uh, 'cause we're turning to Liverpool podcast, but it's Brenton and Johnny and Steve's fault for letting us on on our own. You can have one, Enzo Fernandez or Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham, 100%. I, I think Enzo Fernandez is fantastic, but I think Jude Bellingham is like one of those rare players that doesn't come along that often. Like, he just oozes everything, like, just real star quality and leadership. Like, he's a teenager. He talks like he's really like a mature 30 year old. Like, he just, he just, I don't know, something about him. I just, if I could take one, I would, I'd take them both. <laughs> but if I could take one, it's Bellingham. All day long. I am really torn because there's something about Enzo for me. There's just like he played in the World Cup final and he absolutely manhandled it. Do you know what I mean? Uh I know no, we haven't got to see Jude Bannon play in a World Cup final, maybe we will do someday. I don't know. Um but yeah, and as again that pressure that he was under Leighton Clarkson just got a screamer for Aberdeen, by the way. That um pressure that he was under, yeah, um right. two hundred um, and he handled it so well. I like we're talking about Mbappe and Haaland. Maybe we're going to see an era of Fernand Enzo Fernandez and the likes of Bellingham now. You know, in midfield, hopefully they're playing for the same club and it's Liverpool as you said, which would be ideal. But if they're not, um, yeah, I think like we're lucky that we're going to have these players coming through because you you lose an era. Where players and you think like, well, who's going to be the next one, and it can go through different things. And, and here also, Gavi, like, yes, that's the like, thing. And Pedri, Pedri too. Gavi, I really like Gavi. It's um, going to be yeah. There's special talent coming through. There's also and some people on this podcast won't think this. There's likes of Phil Foden, Bakayo Saka, and um, these players coming through. And I mean, obviously, Ben Doak. Sorry, lads, but he's about doing all of the Ballon d'Ors, clearly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's special talents coming through, which is nice too, because we're losing the talent in Messi, but there's so much coming through. The next World Cup's only three and a half years away as well, which is actually nice. Um, the Euro's only 18 months away, which again, which is nice. But uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed all of that football. Um, it seems strange now that, that the Premier League and the Scottish League and the main leagues... Um, are all kicking back off again because uh, usually you get a break, but oh, I'll bring it all on. I say, <laughs> the more football, the better. I'm happy enough, <laughs> I'm not complaining. Um, I think that'll do us. We were going to do a short one, Paddy, but it was the World Cup final and it was all we went on for an hour. So, there you go. Um, folks, we'll be back and uh, next week, hopefully, with a full house during the Christmas break. Maybe try to do one or two festive pods. Um, Obviously, we haven't heard from Cousin Mud and Steve for a little while. Their hiatus from the pod just during the World Cup. Um, but they'll be back. Uh, Mud, you have a league to win, son. 
you're five points clear, don't be bottling it now. They don't be don't be messing that up, my brother. Um, but yeah, Arsenal have Butlers. a league to win. That yeah, they've obviously they've already won. You know what I mean? It's just perception. Um, and then uh, Steve will be back for his his common sense on all things Manchester United and obviously football related, and we'll get that back to you and, and different things. But um, we'll not won't speak to you till after Christmas. So if you do celebrate it, enjoy the next couple of days. Uh, my advice would be eat all the cheese you can get near, because uh, that's what I'm gonna do. See if I can give myself a dairy intolerance. Uh, <laughs> see if I can put myself in hospital through dairy poisoning. That's my aim for Christmas. So you'll hear how that goes. And um, yeah, we'll see you after the break, uh, after a couple of days. Enjoy the Carabao Cup too if you're watching it or whatever you're watching or different things. And um, yes, see you all soon. Paddy, speak to you soon and good luck. Good luck.